Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Hello, Dan Torres. What's happening, Buzz? Well, what's happening in the world of the world? Suck. Oh, you want, you want updates now, don't you? Well, you, you in Brazil. I'm getting sick of it, but it's all right. What did I say about the non-European teams doing well this World Cup? You said the balance of power is shifting so that non-European uh, teams are now going to be able to challenge the traditional powerhouses. And so is that and what's happening? Morocco beat Spain today in penalty kicks. So, really? Yeah, that's big. Well, that is Morocco huge. has, I don't think, ever made it to the quarterfinals. They're there. They'll be playing Portugal. Wow. The, so. the camel's got its nose in the tent. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to do it. So that's a big, that's a big loss. Spain did not think it was going to get no. Knocked out in the round of 16. I, you know, so, 2010, I was there in Spain when they won. It was kind of a. So was I. Shut up. Yeah. What part of Spain were you in? Uh, Galicia. Oh, I was up there once. But yeah. Okay. Well, that's exciting. All right. Well, so, um, and Brazil. Brazil won handily. Yeah, they'll be playing on Friday, 10 a.m. against Croatia, the runners up for last World Cup. So, should be a good match. Are all Brazilians like you? Are they all going to be riveted? They're not all like me listening, but I, I would say 98%. The country stops. Like I don't, it's, you don't quite appreciate it when like kids aren't going to schools and they're watching this game and their parents aren't necessarily going to work. They'll go to work after and you know, they'll find time in the day to watch this. It's a different kind of pandemic, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, because tomorrow we have an extremely special guest and I can now disclose who it is. I can... Those who were listening to the river this morning at about 7.30-ish heard Monty Belmonte announce that after uh, two decades of being the morning show host on WRSI and being a producer um, and a jack-of-all-trades here at WHMP, Monty has decided to move on. We are all just so happy for him. So he's our special guest tomorrow, and as a result... Um, we have asked Nan Parati, and she agreed to move the interesting thing from tomorrow to today. So we're going to be talking with Nan in a moment. After Monty's segment tomorrow, you may want to really tune in to hear Stephen, Dr. Stephen Platt, the professor of history and a Chinese expert, talk about the protests that are going on throughout China, including protesting the regime itself and Xi. So that's going to be really interesting, I think. On Thursday, Brian Adams is going to have A to Z owner Andre Brule, the purveyor of science and nature toys, talking about Christmas toys that are um, scientific and uh, thereby uh, educational, not just fun to play with. During this Christmas season, Glenn Siegel is going to have Northfield violinist and vocalist Terry Janor, an extremely talented person, on, and then Friday, I'm very excited, retired GCC president Bob Pura and Tara Parker, who's the dean of the College of Education and Human Development, they just wrote a book. Um, and they're going to be discussing that new book. It's called The Community Colleges, I'm sorry, The Communities College, colon, The Pursuit of Democracy, Economic Development, and Success. It's going to explore the relationship between affordable quality education in our community college system and our democracy, which is currently imperiled, after which the good thing with Jeff Napolitano will be talking about social justice stuff happening in this region. But right now I'm going to turn it over to Nan Parati. Nan, you've got an interesting thing. You've been talking about inner strength and how we find it, and I think you have a guest today to expand on that. Yeah, right? I do. Yes, I do. Um, yeah, yeah. And the reason, one of the reasons we're talking about all this is because we talked with some with some young people and, and learned about how young people have a lot of anxieties, a lot of fears. And I was thinking afterwards about how, you know, we grew up too. And we had anxieties, fears, or whatever we had, and things that happened to us growing up. And so I had a conversation this week. One of the things I love about this show is being the interesting thing is whatever's interesting to me, I'm like, oh, I'm in. So I was talking to my friend Tom McCrum this week, and he was telling me a story that I said, oh, I want that story. I want that story. So I asked Tom to come in. Thanks so much for coming in, Tom. You're welcome. Glad he, to be here. <laughs> and, you know, we remember Tom when he had the South Bay Sugar House in Ashfield. But this is a bigger yeah. story than that. Well, 
Yeah. It, uh, it goes way back. And I do want to say before you get started, this it's, it could be an upsetting story for some people uh, listening. And so just to say if you're feeling anxious today, maybe it's not the story you want to hear, but it's a, it's a pretty amazing one. So, Tom, tell us the story. Well, in brief, it was a situation where I was um, sort of a co-leader, co-organizer of a um, climbing expedition to Peru in 1974. And was this something that you did a lot? Did you, were you a mountain climber? It's something I did a lot. Uh-huh. Did quite quite a lot for 25 years. Uh-huh. Um, and we were up on the side of a mountain at about 18,000 feet on a glacier. Our party had split into two two groups. Uh, one group was 500 feet or so up above us, and um, we were coming up across the glacier, and I heard some noise and looked up, and about 1,000 feet above me and up to the left, I saw a small ice avalanche start to come down and grab my camera because I thought it would be a good picture, and the next thing I knew, the whole damn side of the mountain let loose. Um, really? While you were on the side of the mountain? Yeah. It let loose? It just... It was like it was like watching something the size of a large building collapse at you. And you're on that building, essentially. Um, well, I'm below and off to the side, yeah. but you know, I it was it was coming down, and I was in the way. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have any choice but get out of the way. Ideally, I've. You know, a lot of this that happened so fast, a lot of it I don't remember but um, exactly what happened. But I know that I ran maybe 100 feet and jumped into a crevasse, uh-huh. which um, I assume I looked first. And there was a snow bridge sort of across it, maybe 10 feet down. And, um, I, you know, I just wanted to get out of the way of this thousands of tons of ice that was coming down from 500, 800 feet, 1,000 feet above us. Yeah. Um, it was pretty scary. So you jump into this crevasse. and then I jump happens? into the crevasse, and, you know, I was hoping, praying that I wasn't going to get buried. Yeah. Um, and I was concerned about um, the rest of my party that was with me. Some were with me close, and others were um, a few hundred yards behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it was pretty much over, I yelled to see if anybody was around or alive or whatever to help me get out of this crevasse before, you know, I went hundreds of feet further for good. And let me um, ask you this right quick. How how long does that last, that you are in this and this is going uh, over you and you don't know what's happening around you? How long is that? Well, that's right. So it's uh, it's coming down from up to my left. So I turned to my right and tried to run sideways um, this is with a pack on, crampons on, and so forth. Uh, so, you know, running was awkward, but I'm trying to picture it in my mind now. Um, not, not very far. How long does it take something to fall 500 yeah. feet? Right, right, you know? yeah. Um, were you tethered to each other? No, we were not We were not roped at that time because we were, we had been because we were crossing a dangerous part of the glacier, but... Um, we were sort of up on a plateau where one of our upper camps was, and we were, you know, a couple hundred feet from where we were going to stop and basically spend the night. Were you? Did you have any training about what to do in an avalanche before this? I mean, other than get out of the way, well, there's not really much you can do when it's coming at you. Yeah. but yeah. So there's no training that says if this happens. I mean, it's just deal with the moment. It, it's, it's deal with the moment. Wow. It's strictly, what time of year was it? July. So it was it was it a sunny day? It was a beautiful sunny day. Wow. You know, beautiful time to be in the mountains. Wow. Um and you know, you don't you don't run very fast at eighteen thousand feet on, on snow with crampons on and on sixty pounds on your back. But um you know, I I jumped in and I heard somebody yell because they were above me and they had laid flat on the snow and didn't see me mm-hmm. when the avalanche was over, so they yelled, and I said, "I yelled, I'm over here, you're in the in the crevasse, get me out of here." Yeah. And they got me out, and um, the first thing I saw was the remains of our camp, four or five tents, uh, completely smashed. 
um, ripped up, shredded gear all over the surface of the glacier and um, pieces of ice anywhere from ice cube size to school bus size. Wow. Scattered around wow. here. And most of them are like, you know, refrigerator size. Um, and then I realized that, you know, where's Bill and where's the other person whose name I forget right now, but then we realized they were, they were gone. They were gone. They were gone. And, um, as best as I can recall, their remains came out of the bottom of the glacier maybe eight or ten years ago. Oh, really? Well, you know, glacier moves downhill and, and breaks up and melts off. and So they're just gone. You can't even, there's oh, no I mean, we closure. Looked, we looked down where the avalanche went, and it didn't look like anything that we'd just been on. Wow. It was just um, like the hand of God came down and just wiped do, it off the face of the earth. Do you remember what it sounded like? What did it sound like? Yeah. I have no idea. Okay. I don't I don't remember the sound. You don't remember the sound. It's the visual uh-huh. that it's the visual is the hard part. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And that was the hard part. Yeah. And then you also I remember in that when you were you didn't tell me all the details in the, the other day, but um one of the guys didn't you say he was like on his honeymoon or something? He was on his honeymoon and his his wife was down at our base camp sort of being you know, mm-hmm. keeping it secure. Right, right. So it took us a day and a half to get back down there, and somebody had to tell her. Wow, wow. You're saying one of the two decedents that was on his honeymoon. Yeah, right, right. exactly. One of the right. Mm. right, yeah. And his wife was down below. Right, and you had to tell her. And I don't remember if she was aware of the avalanche or not. I don't see how she could not have been. Yeah. What year was this, Tom? 1974. So Nan's guess is Tom McCrum. This happened in 1974. It seems like you just got choked up still. Well, part of the conversation, that's true. Part of the conversation I had with Nan the other day was about PTSD and how a lot of people kind of say, "Ah, you know, it's fake or you're faking it or... I don't think anything like that could really happen. And it's not that I'd ever given her any thought before, but let me tell you, it is very, very real. Yeah. Because I had an experience a number, many years later, you know, around 2000 or so, when my uh, son was graduating from college out in Oregon, and I went out and we spent some time together. And, um, you know, I visited some friends, and one of the things I did was go up to the Mount St. Helens um, National Park um, and you know, I went into the visitor center and watched the little video about Mount St. Helens exploding and coming down the mountain. And it, for lack of a better term, it freaked me out. I mean, like totally freaked me out. Yeah. I, 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 I couldn't deal with it. I couldn't, yeah. I mean, it was the same, it was the same vision in my mind of the mountain coming right down at me. And I just got up. I got out of my seat. I went outside. I was shaking. I was crying. I, yeah, I couldn't deal with it. Yeah, yeah it's the it definition is. of helplessness. There's nothing you can do in a situation like and that. And it's 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 the triggers. Yeah, you know, right. And it wasn't like I, I mean, after the avalanches, okay, I mean, it was it was rough for all of us, and we dealt with it. And I didn't give it any thought later on in my life, other than. Yes, I was lucky to survive. Right. But when this, when I watched Mount St. Helens come down at me uh-huh. on the screen in front of me, it was like... Boom. You were there yeah, again. I was there. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're going to take a break. Um, we're talking with Tom McCrum. He's uh, talking about an extremely traumatic event that happened about 50 years ago and still haunts him. Nan is exploring... Tom's uh, resilience and whether that bears on the inner strength to get him through the rest of his life. Trauma, we're going to come back right after these messages. Do stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg. 101.5 WHMP.
Sunday mornings on WHMP means polka, polka carousel. Every Sunday morning from 8 till noon, TZ brings his award-winning polka carousel to the airwaves of the valley, playing the polka classics and the latest polka hits. There are polka hits? Brought to you by Saluzniak Funeral Home, Northampton's funeral home for over 110 years and four generations of unparalleled, thoughtful memorial care. It's Polka Carousel every Sunday morning from 8 till noon, WHMP. Buy a mattress online? There are at least 100 websites that'll ship you a mattress rolled up like a burrito and stuffed in a box. Wait a minute. You and your mattress will spend seven or eight intimate hours together every night for years. Don't you need more than pixels to know what it actually feels like? Maybe you could just lay on the screen and... Hi, it's Robin from Talon Furniture. We mostly sell therapeutic mattresses at Talon. Not Tempur-Pedic, not trying to mislead you. Come to Talon Furniture and lay down on a therapeutic. I'll leave you alone. You can see how you are together. Therapeutic mattresses are clean. No toxic off-gassing. I've been to the factory in Brockton. Yes, they're made by fellow Red Sox fans. You like eating local? Try sleeping local. Talon delivers and sets it up. We don't just drop a big burrito on your doorstep. You won't have to wrestle it through the kitchen or up the stairs. Talon Furniture, a real store, just down the hill from Amherst College. In this the season of thanks and giving, United Way of Franklin and Hampshire Region wants to remind you to support the organizations and people who are doing the hard work of making our community a better place. Please consider supporting a local nonprofit with a tax-deductible gift this December. If you're not sure how to help, go to uw-fh.org to find a list of United Way vetted partner agencies. The United Way of the Franklin and Hampshire Region asks you to help make the Valley a happier, healthier, and more equitable place for everyone. Some people know how to prepare seafood. Seafood's delicate. You don't want a heavy hand. Some people have the touch. Some of those people are in the kitchen at Paul and Elizabeth's restaurant, where there's a 40-year tradition of preparing seafood, wisdom passed along through the years. That's why when you have fish and chips at Paul and Elizabeth's, or Faroe Island salmon, or tempura shrimp with that light and lively orange ginger sauce, it's perfect every time. Fresh seafood, Paul and Elizabeth's, inside Thorns in downtown Northampton. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are back with Nan Parati's Interesting Thing of the Week. And her interesting thing this week is you, Tom McCrum, who has just described an unbelievably harrowing, um, horrific yeah. event in which two of his colleagues were killed in an avalanche which he barely survived 50 years ago. Right. And here's my question. So you were 24, 29 at the time, I think you said. Yeah, so far. And, and, and you climbed a fair amount. Had you ever seen any avalanches, bef- avalanches before? Or was that the first one no. you'd ever seen? No. no. Uh-huh. L- you know, minor snow sloughs, yeah. but nothing, nothing of that size. And I know that you said you weren't necessarily trained in what to do. I don't even know if you could train that. But was it something that worried you? Was that ever something that oh, gave you fear? Absolutely. But it didn't, it didn't blot out the idea that we're going to do this? No. Mm-hmm. No, we yeah. were there for we were there for a purpose, and we we were aware. You know, climbing up to where we were that afternoon, we realized that there were big chunks of ice here and there uh-huh. um, on the surface of the glacier, which meant that it, it had come down from somewhere. Right. No, I think we had um, Dan. You can you refresh my aging memory. Um, his last name is Adams. He's climbed the tallest mountain on all seven continents. Mm-hmm. And avalanche training and talking quietly and all those kinds of things are part of the modern mm. preparation for it. Probably back when you were doing it, you were a pioneer, and it may not have been as present. That's correct. And there's, you have to understand that this was not a snow avalanche, which happens in, you know, we're... we're Snowmobilers and skiers quite often set off a snow avalanche, which is totally different from what our situation was because it was it was part of a, a glacier that was breaking off, so it was ice that was coming down. Mm-hmm. Got it. So we weren't we weren't in a situation we were going to get caught up in loose snow and buried or swept downhill. Mm-hmm. Um, we were going to get smashed, squished, wow. and buried or not. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Um. um did you ever climb again after that? I did. Um, I did for a few years, quite a bit. Um, huh. 
it kind of took some of the fire out of my desire. Um, uh-huh. And then I sort of, I, I describe it as sort of falling out of love with climbing. It just, I just didn't, I just didn't have it anymore. I just didn't have the drive. I can imagine. Although I continued to, I mean, for years and years, but on a much smaller scale. So what is your takeaway? Nan's thesis is that these kinds of, albeit horrific in this case, experiences give you an inner resource to handle other traumas in life as they come along. Do you find that to be the case? I think that is the case. Absolutely. Um, it's, you know, my philosophy is when the poop hits the fan, just <laughs> deal with it. Yeah, right. You know, don't give up. Never give up. Uh-huh. You know. Yeah. I, 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 I just, you know, I read situations about whatever it is where people just give up. And I'm going, why? why? Why give up? There's always a solution. There's always a way out. And do you, yeah, it was, is this something that, I mean, I'm just curious, it was this, this is experience here, did that, does that help you figure this out, or is it just something that you were born with, or how do you see the world, according to Tom McCrum? Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long afternoon show, that one. Um, I, I don't know. You know, I reflect back on it from time to time, uh-huh. um, and there have been, a, there've been two occasions since then where that trigger has set me off. Yeah. Didn't yeah. you see even snow falling off a roof I was in standing, western Massachusetts? I was standing in the back of my sugar house one winter in Ashfield, and I heard a noise and looked up and saw the snow sliding off the roof right at me. Uh-huh. And I, I was not in any danger other than sure. digging my feet out of the snow. But right. to see the snow sliding, coming down at me. That's one of the seven was, criteria in the, in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, which lays out psychological disorders and, and uh, for PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. I think there's seven diagnostic criteria. One of them is that flashback. There's yeah. triggers. Right. That, the trigger. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So interesting. But yeah. I, yeah. I also find it interesting, though, you, you did climb afterwards. You, you, your relationship yeah. changed, but you didn't say, I'm not going to go do it again. Do you remember the, the first time you climbed after that incident? Um, in, in how that I felt? don't, but... You know, yeah. I went back home and got back to my life and went climbing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, in, in, the, in the climbing world, if you're serious about it, you have to realize two things. One is you're risking your, your life and, and health, danger. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the other thing is that some of your friends are going to die. Yeah. Some of your friends are going to get killed. They're going to fall off a mountain. They're going to get hit by a falling rock. They're going to get buried in an avalanche. Um, it's going to happen. Mm. And I know climbing friends of mine who have, who have quit cold turkey, boom, because they were involved in an accident where one of their friends was killed or one of their friends was killed in an accident thousands of miles away. And they just said, enough, I don't want to risk it anymore. Right. Mm. Um, oh. It's, uh, you know, I, I, I've always had sort of a pushing the envelope, risk-taking personality. Mm-hmm. Um, it you know it worked for me. It still works for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten beat up a few times, more yeah. broken bones than I know what to do with. But <laughs> you know, right. get up, keep moving, and, and don't give up. And don't never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Tom, yeah. I appreciate you so much for coming and telling that story. That is just an amazing, amazing story, and has got so much in it for I think for all of us. Well, how, how you go on after that, and I think it's, I really, really appreciate it. I'm kind of glad that I could tell the story and not be too freaked out by it, because right. sometimes I just think about it, and I have to go stand in a corner and tear up for a few minutes, and then shake my head and go, okay, that's, you know, you got stuff to do today, get at it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just, you got to well, get takes, beyond it. It takes a lot of courage to go back there again. I really appreciate it. Like Aunt Nan, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Me, I'm not even going to climb the stairs when I go home. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Okay, Nan, thank you so much. This is the interesting thing for this week. Thank you for accommodating our special guest, Monty Belmonte, tomorrow on Wednesday, who on Friday is going to be his last day on WRSI and wow. here at WHMP after... That's traumatic. That Losing is traumatic. Losing Monty Belmonte here. Yep. We're all sort of... We're, we're trying not to mourn. We're trying to be... Well, I think we are all happy for him. What do you think, yeah. Dan? Yes. We are yeah. very much so. Unqualifiedly happy for him um, that he, he's been waking up at 2.30 in the morning, leaving Montague and coming here to do a 6 to 10 show for two decades. And uh, 
he has um, been a hero in Western Massachusetts. Yeah, absolutely. At That's some point, they're going to have to n- change the name of the town to Montague. Ooh, Ooh I go- very huh, good. That's a good one. <laughs> good one. You know Montague. What? I like that. I yeah. might have to borrow That's that good. one. That's a good <laughs> one. You. Yeah, but I think you've re-traumatized Tom. <laughs> 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 On that note, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. And when we come back, Jackie Walsh and Mike Haley of Con- Conway is going to be here. He is Ebenezer Scrooge. We'll be right back after these messages. Do stay with us. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. The mayor of Chicopee says he plans to ensure public safety at events after police broke up a large disturbance during the annual Chicopee football sword game on Thanksgiving that resulted in an officer being hit in the face. Mayor John View says steps include ensuring students that have been suspended cannot attend extracurricular activities, increasing school staff to work the crowd, and increasing police presence. Officials are still considering requiring IDs at all school functions, using metal detectors and or wands at event entrances, and requiring middle school and younger students be accompanied by an adult. The town of Amherst is buying the former VFW site on Main Street for $775,000 to provide shelter for those in need. The former VFW is located near downtown area for easy access to bus routes, stores, and social services. It will provide space for the homeless, supportive transitional housing, and affordable housing. The town of Amherst designated American Rescue Plan Act funds of $1 million to fund a permanent shelter. And Northampton's new Resilience Hub will be located in the First Baptist Church on Main Street. The multi-purpose community space will help connect Northampton residents with various services related to nutrition, health, and housing, and contain offices for the newly formed Department of Community Care. Northampton Mayor Gina Louise Shera. I think it can serve all of those purposes and do so in a really beautiful, inviting place that people want to use and that affirms a feeling of belonging and dignity and community for our entire community. Money for the purchase will come from cannabis mitigation funds, community development block grants, and a gift from Smith College, among other funding sources. Rain developing this afternoon, a high of 48 to 52. Rain tonight, overnight lows of 40 to 46. Scattered showers. Rain tomorrow, a high of 50 to 54. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. Hey, it's Jason with the Weather Channel and SnowCountry.com. One of the best savings rates in America is another reason banking with Capital One is the easiest decision. What's in your wallet? Term supply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank. Capital One NA member FDIC. Our ski season got its start thanks to a couple of solid weeks of high-powered snowmaking. Now, since Thanksgiving, we've seen that snowmaking window open and close every few days, yet several mountains have still not only maintained but expanded their terrain through it all. After a couple of good snowmaking nights, we'll get some dry hours on the slopes to start our Tuesday deal with some wet weather midweek and then get some good snowmaking chances toward the end of the week. You got about a half dozen at Wachusa where they ski till 7 every day. More than 20 trails at Stratton and Killington. Smuggler's Notch and Bretton Woods open for daily operation. A half dozen runs apiece there. This report brought to you by Smuggler's Notch from On America's Family Resort where family funds guaranteed. Visit smugs.com. Check out more at snowcountry.com. I'm Jason Dean. What happened in Georgia? Will Fish wrap the Georgia Senate election race? Plus, cool films with Larry Hott and Bayacon Munoz with Natalia Munoz and much more. All this beginning Wednesday at 9 o'clock. Bill Newman, weekdays at 9 and again at 5. WHMP News, Information, and the Arts. Want to support the kind of talk you hear on the Afternoon Buzz? Want to hear your business's message here on WHMP? Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. We'll help you craft a marketing message that'll reach listeners of your favorite WHMP show. And you'll be supporting the local news, valley talk, and progressive voices you hear right here on WHMP. Let us know about your message. Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. And add your message to our mission. And hear your message right here on WHMP. Your message at whmp.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. 
Tis the season to hear Playbill with Jackie Walsh. Hello, Jackie. Hey there, Beth. Hey, what's going on in theater these days? Well, uh, not as much as during the summer, but a lot, and it's it's picking up. So this weekend we have Welcome Yule, which has been happening, I don't know, for 35 years, something like that, at the Shea Theater in um, Turner. So it's Friday, Saturday, December 9th and 10th at 7.30, Sunday, the weekend, there's matinee at 2. It's a celebration of light in the darkest time of year. We had um, the director last year, he last was, weekend. He was really fascinating, yeah. and it sounds like there's a lot of sort of um, uh, historical stuff that's going on about Celtic culture and, right. and other cultures. It's, it sounded really fascinating. Yeah. And, yeah. and, then the and by the way, it's going to be a full moon tomorrow, so Ooh. light, darkness, short, yeah. shortest day coming. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. The Academy of Music has Thin Ice, a story slam, this Thursday, but it's at the Gateway City Arts in Holyoke. The Nutcracker is this weekend, the Pioneer Valley Ballet's version. There is a Sensory Safe performance on Friday. The um, 50th anniversary special is Friday night. The Sensory Safe Safe one is at 4, and then they have regular times during the weekend. Um, The Majestic has... Home for the Holidays going on December 8th through 22nd. I think it's in its 12th year. So it's similar to those nostalgic holiday specials that you and I might have seen with Andy Williams and Perry Gemma. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I wonder what percentage of our audiences to, recognize the name. I don't know. Perry Gemma. Well, put on a cardigan and you'll feel the part. <laughs> and then Believe a Holiday Celebration is at KNE Theater Group right here in Northampton on Holly Street. December 16th and 17th, um, and that will feature <coughs> traditional and contemporary holiday music. Miss Bennett Christmas at Pemberley is a Silverthorn reading happening at the Deerfield Inn. I'm sure it's going to be gorgeous with all their decorations. 3 p.m. December 17th. It's but people don't realize how wonderful it is to go and hear a reading. It's really terrific. It is, I know yeah. you like participating. You can yeah. have a little drink yeah. before or after or during. Um, so this is a playful playful sequel to Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. It's a fundraiser for, for Silverthorne as well. There's also something really cool coming up. It's called A Christmas Carol 1930s Radio Drama. It will be on Friday, December 16th at the Conway Firehouse in the Annex at 7 p.m., December 17th in Wilmington Town Hall at 2, and then there's a Snow and Ice Day the next day in both those places. And we have Mike Haley, who is one of the co-writers and one of the actors. He plays Scrooge in the play, and he is here to tell us about it. Hey, Michael. Humbug. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you don't think it's humbug. I suppose you want the whole day off tomorrow. (laughs) Uh, Hi. That would be nice. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, Nice to be here. This is uh, John Reese and myself... uh, uh, adapted uh, the idea for a radio play some time ago and, you know, uh, brought back people back to the 1930s and uh, we all dress up in, in 30s attire as performers in the radio studio. We convert wherever we are into a studio with uh, John Iverson, who does all of our sound effects and things for the, the play. There were seven actors uh, reading A Christmas Carol and we play uh, an assortment of close to 40 characters. Wow. So And it's not a reading of the story, right? It's 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 a play. It's 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 the reading of our adaptation mm-hmm. of a Christmas carol. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean it, it 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 basically is the the Dickens story mm-hmm. with some frills and ads like commercials. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have commercial breaks of course where the audience can applaud and listen to our Sales pitch and um, for and lucky strikes and things like not that. Not for Amazon. No, we have things like the Better Butter Bureau and uh, Clorox and the Turpentine Foundation and Spam Can and a Ham. Uh, <laughs> Jackie, I have to ask Michael Haley. Did did you listen to radio? Uh, oh God, I grew up with radio. We didn't have it until I was didn't have a television until I was like ten. It's it's so interesting. My wife and I. There's seven years between us. And she grew up on radio, and I was at the very tail end of radio. So I remember just a little bit, but she remembers everything. It was amazing. I mean, the, the, literally, you could do something. You didn't have to look at 
anything and let your imagination imagine the characters. Uh, you know, now everybody's seen every basic version of A Christmas Carol there is to make. Everybody has their favorites. Uh, but that, with our radio play, lays the groundwork for the audience's imagination as we present uh, that great story. But, you know, we, we present it in a radio format in the sense that uh, we do description as much as the dialogue. So, and let your own mind look at the characters. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so you want to be George C. Scott or whoever you want to imagine or yourself as somebody. But it's, a, you know, basically the beauty of this thing, which, which has made it endure forever, is it's a morality play. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's a reminder when you sit there and listen to it and, again, not be distracted by, by a close-up or uh, an effect that you don't like or like, uh, your mind can work for you. But, mm -hmm. so, and, and as a live audience, it's great. You know? So I was lucky enough to work on two shows that Mike Kelly was in as Scrooge at the Academy of Music maybe five or ten years ago. Oh, please. <laughs> and they were fantastic. So, Mike, can you give us another line or two as Scrooge? Uh, well, all right. Um, are there no prisons? Oh. And the workhouse is there. Still in operation. Oh. <laughs> they are. Well, <laughs> good. I'm glad. Uh, I thought from what you said at first that something had occurred to cease them in their useful, useful form. Well, uh, those who are badly off, well, they must go there. <laughs> That's in response to these gentle women asking him for a donation for the poor, which, of course, the answer was nothing. Wow, he does Ebenezer really well. He scared the crap out of me. <laughs> so uh, tell us, so you've done the play like in a grand fashion in a huge hall, beautiful hall, the Academy of Music, and now you're doing it in smaller spaces. So so tell us what, what you love about doing it as a radio show. Um, again, well, first of all, you get many people, uh, as was said, that have never... Uh, been uh, adapted to a radio kind of life, let me put it that way, you know. Uh, and so I remember even as a kid going into a radio studio for some show that, that was done as part of the live audience and you know, just seeing how it all worked. I mean, Prairie Home Companion, of course, was the first uh, iteration of, of the old radio program format. And so... That, that, that's what I like. I mean, first of all, to stage something with costumes and sets and crew and data and data uh, takes an enormous effort. And also, it, it, which you know, turns out great when it does, but as an audience, you are just the opposite of television where you're forced to look at whatever size image they give you. In a theater, you can if you can see around the person in front of you, uh, look around and see what's happening, and you could lose your focus. And depending on where you're seating, you could be miles away. Here, as an audience, uh, you're looking at people reading, which you say only leaves the mental uh, uh, kind of story creation up to the individual. Mm -hmm. It's a listening art which a lot of people don't have these days. Well, what about you too, Jackie, are an actor? For actors, when it's just vocalizing uh, your part, how is that different than having to watch, have people watch you act out the part? I haven't done it, so I don't know. Well, it did, I'll tell you the difference is, is again, it's voice, yeah. for one thing. Uh, and we've done it, our, our, our basic uh, crew here has done it enough times that, that we sort of know when to jump into the other character. I mean, we've done it, done it both on stage and done the readings many times uh, over the years. So uh, we just sort of know. We bring our stage personality, basically, to a seated uh, session. So... Mm. So we have on the line the guy who's doing the sound effects, John Iverson. Are you there, John? I am. Yay. So tell us what it will look. We only have 
a minute, and we'll continue after we break. But tell us uh, what your little booth there will look like, your place with all the sound effects. Well, um, like the old radio shows, I'm using something called Foley sound effects, which means that I make the sounds with devices that I've created um, in order to give some realism to the uh, the performance so that the there's a little bit of sound supporting what the actors are saying, so it's not just their voices. Um, I also play a little bit of music with uh, with my computer and some um, because during during the the 30s they would have a small orchestra on the stage as well as a sound design guy and so I'm giving them the full package of a little bit of music like there was the band there and the fully created sound effects at the same time. Mm-hmm. So let me see if Buzz can guess what one of those sound effects might be. Uh, Jacob Marley's chains. Ooh. Yep, we have that. Oh, Definitely. that's a good one. Um, yep, chains, chains are very hard to get them to sound like real chains, even if you use real chains. They, 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 they clunk rather than clink, which is just <laughs> terrible. Oh, I hate when I want to clink and instead it clunks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to work on that one. What about horses? Horses? Uh, we're actually using coconuts, a la Monty Python. <laughs> wow. Sounds great. Give us nothing some other. Makes the sound of a, nothing makes the sound of a hoof better than two coconut half spanging together. So um, we're going to have to take a break. We're with John yep. Reese and we're with uh, Michael Haley. And um, so, how do people listen to this? When do they tune in? What do they do? They they tune they tune in and listen when they go to station WXMAS, which is the Conway Firehouse, or or up into Wilmington, Vermont's church. Uh, you're there to listen. We there don't. We bro- we, the broadcast goes right into your head and no place else. So it's not <laughs> going to be recorded and, and podcasted or anything like that. Negative. That's right. And what are the dates that it's going to be in those locations? Uh, we are on Friday the 16th at the Conway Firehouse Annex, which is right there. You can't miss it on 116. At uh, what time? Uh, 7 o'clock. The doors open at 630. It's open seating. So one should come early uh, for that one. Okay. And I think the one in Wilmington is at two in the afternoon, John. I'm. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And it's at it's at Memorial Hall, right in the middle of downtown. Right. That's great. Yeah. Uh, we're here with Playbill with Jackie Walsh, and we're talking to Mike Haley and John Reese. Talk about the Christmas Carol. Go ahead, John Irving. Uh, John John, Ir- uh, John Iverson. Iverson. I've called John Iverson. John, pardon me, John. <laughs> All my life. There we go. They're not it bad titles. John so. Iverson. Yes, Shame that, on I me. I thought it was John Reese we had. We're going to take a break. We're going to be right back with these two gentlemen, John Iverson and Mike. I'm not saying his last name as punishment to him. Good. Mike Reese, no. right after these messages. What do I care how much it may start? This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg on 015 WHFP. But I can weather the storm. What do I care how much it may storm? I've got my love to keep me warm. Yes, I can't remember. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. We have a very unique and lethal combination of emboldened white supremacy in this country and unfettered access to guns. We need to keep talking about the intersection of white supremacy and guns. Guns are used in order to you know, elicit fear and power and control by white supremacists. And it's not an issue that's going away easily. 101.5, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. This bonafide minute is brought to you by New England Orthopedic Surgeons of Western Mass. Your shoulder. It's one of the largest and most complex joints in your body, consisting of the bones of the upper arm, shoulder blade, and collarbone, and the rotator cuff, a collection of muscles and tendons that not only surround the shoulder, but give it support and a wide range of motion. Hi, this is Dr. Jenny Garber, arthroscopic and shoulder surgeon at New England Orthopedic Surgeons. 
Competitive hockey and basketball players can sustain shoulder injuries such as shoulder separation and dislocation and tears of ligaments and tendons from sliding into the boards, falling on the ice or court, or direct contact. But shoulder sprains, strains, and tears can also occur in us regular folks at Sunday pickup games, during dreaded winter shoveling, or even through wear and tear over time. So whether you're a professional athlete, weekend warrior, or someone in between, you can trust the team at New England Orthopedic Surgeons to give you the best bona fide care around. Visit anyortho.com to schedule your appointment today. Some people know how to prepare seafood. Seafood's delicate, you don't want a heavy hand. Some people have the touch. Some of those people are in the kitchen at Paul and Elizabeth's restaurant, where there's a 40-year tradition of preparing seafood, wisdom passed along through the years. That's why when you have fish and chips at Paul and Elizabeth's, or Faroe Island salmon, or tempura shrimp with that light and lively orange ginger sauce, it's perfect every time. Fresh seafood, Paul and Elizabeth's, inside Thorns in downtown Northampton. In case you haven't noticed, it costs a lot less to fill your car's gas tank. The price of gasoline has consistently fallen over the last several weeks and is now about the same as it was last year. Industry experts say there are several reasons. Refineries have increased production and China's COVID lockdowns have reduced demand. A report from DataTrek Research says home prices will need to fall by about 20 percent for the market to get back to normal. In a note to investors, the firm said the correction process has already started but may need several years to complete. If a trip to Disney World is on your family's Christmas list, it might be money well spent. A survey by LendingTree found that 20 percent of respondents said they had gone into debt to pay for a Disney vacation. Of those, 70% said they had no regrets about spending the money. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at ConsumerAffairs.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And this is this week's Playbill with Jackie Walsh, whose guests are Mike Haley and John Iverson, talking about the Christmas Carol radio show which will be airing on the 16th at the Conway Firehouse and on the 17th at 2 o'clock matinee in Wilmington at Memorial Hall. Jackie. Right. So I've seen Mike Kelly do Scrooge several times, twice at the Academy of Music, but also at the, a Northfield uh, bed and bro- breakfast was sort of right. squeezed into this room. Yep. It was so great. It was yeah. great. It, it's I, I like intimate. I, I really like an intimate setting. Yeah. So people... One, you feel you're special, which you are. Right. Uh, um, when you do it in broad auditoriums and things like that, you know, it's as a reading, especially, uh, it, it loses some punch. Right. So the first show on December 16th, Friday at 7, is at the Conway Firehouse. So what will that venue be like? Uh, well, we'll do the best we can. It's not at the firehouse. It's okay. in the, well, it's called the Fireman's auxiliary building, annex, whatever. It's a small rectangular building uh, that they use for, actually, it's the fireman's relief house where they, after fire, firemen go and the auxiliary gives them donuts and coffee. And So if, and if listeners want to attend, they look for the Conway Auxiliary Firehouse? It, it's, it's the small building right next to the firehouse. You can't miss the firehouse. Oh, okay. Which it, if you're going by GPS, it's uh, uh, 8 Ashfield Road, which is really 116. Mm-hmm. So uh, I assume it's not right right in the firehouse, so therefore none of the ghosts will be arriving by fire pole. That's uh, you're <laughs> confusing it with another kind of venue. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> uh, and then John, I know you've been very much John Iverson, who's the sound guy on this play. He's going to be doing live sound effects, which is super exciting, but he has done a lot of work at the second venue, which is Wilmington Town Hall in Vermont, sort of over the line. So tell us about that venue, John. Are you there? Wilmington. Yeah, I'm still um, it's, uh, it's actually Wilmington Memorial Hall. Okay. Um, and, um, yeah, well, um, I do a, uh, I try to do a big summer musical with them every summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just did Chicago last year. We did Cyrano. Um, the year before that, we did um, Cabaret. And mm-hmm. uh, so usually I saw Cabaret. John was the master of ceremonies. 
Well, and John is a, beyond his, his, his expertise at, at, at creating effects, he's a marvelous singer as well. Mm. I mean, well, thank you. So that's a larger that's a larger venue than say the Northfield B and B was. Oh yeah, like oh, a yeah. traditional I, I, town yeah. hall. The thing about these places, it's, it's got a full stage, full proscenium right. yeah. stage in it, and you can seat probably 150 people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. the thing about all of these venues, uh, the Firehouse, not quite as much, but they have a small town, yes. somewhat antiquity, close quarters, which, again, I I, I just think. Well, let, let's talk. Let's talk about the real play, Michael Haley. It, this story is about Scrooge uh, looking within and finding that he doesn't like who he's become, and having an awakening, finally, and a realization of how he wishes to change. Does anything in your life really uh, draw you to this character that you seem to like playing? Uh, yes. <laughs> Basically, I mean, it, again, I, I think it, if you look at, you, you I, ca, I can bring myself is to every stage of this, from avarice, my own personal avarice, my own personal morality, my own personal uh, not paying attention to other one, other per, person's Intolerance, needs. Intolerance, yeah. Tolerance just uh, makes it more for it. And, and the redemption part, uh, for me, is always a joyous piece to do. But it, it, you know, it, and it takes, to me, it takes the audience as well. It's, it's, come on, wake up. This is, you know, here, this, this is the story of another chance for all of us. Uh, there's a, one passage in particular in this play that I'd like to read you. It's my favorite. To we me, only have a minute, but please do. Here it goes. He's with Christmas present, and, and, he, and Christmas present has taken him all over to see things that are happening around him and opening his eyes. But at the end... Christmas present is out in a fog, and he wears a large robe, and he opens his robe, and there are two emaciated, feral kind of children under it, and Scrooge says, Spirit, are they yours? And Christmas present said, They are man's. They cling to me. This frightful boy is ignorance. This wretched girl is want. Beware them both in all their degree. But most of all, Beware this boy, for on his brow I see that written which is doom unless the writing be erased. And for me, that is the writing of mankind. You know, beware of ignorance. Beware of, or understand what people want. Because if these things keep existing, then we're all basically doomed. That's my... Mm. That's yeah, Mike, I mean, Mike driving Haley. here, I was hearing that... It's Almost ninety percent of our our um, species are extinct. Yeah. It is Mike Haley. He's performing a Christmas Carol. It's going to be performed on Friday, the sixteenth of December, in Conway, at the Auxiliary Firehouse, the little rectangular building next to the firehouse. Right. Donations at the door. Donations at the door. The next day, Wilmington, at two o'clock at the Wilmington Memorial Hall on the seventeenth. It's a Christmas Carol radio broadcast complete with John Iverson right there live and in color doing sound effects. It just sounds terrific. Sounds like a place your imagination wants to go. Everybody have a great evening. Jackie, thank you so much for bringing this to our attention. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. We have a very special show saluting Monty Belmonte and his plan to wrap it all up here at RSI and WHMP on Friday. Stay with us. Talk for Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. Northampton Radio Group Station.